0: On this week's episode of Tiger Turf Talk, we host Mr. Brian Johnson, the manager of Athletic Grounds at Arizona State University. This past week, Mr. Johnson had his final football game, which was truly incredible to see uh, how the university honored him for his 37 years of service. Um, It was incredible to be able to talk to him uh directly afterwards and just kind of catch a glimpse of what his career was and how much he had a passion for this work and how he truly enjoyed the grind of what all sports turf managers understand and live for each and every day um and just to hear all the different stories and talk about all his paint schemes you know some of the most iconic things done in our industry were done by Brian and it's, it's, it just so cool to just talk about how he came up with these different things and how he drew inspiration from little things and uh, being able to bring that to his administration and have them be 100% on board is truly inspiring and what we hope to um, instill in our students here at Brentsville um, and this is an incredible episode with such an incredible human being so be sure to definitely check it out um again brian we can't thank you enough for taking the time and we hope you nothing but the best in retirement enjoy the last couple months before it's official um and again you're the best we hope you enjoy this episode of tiger turf talk good afternoon and welcome to the 60th episode Uh, of Tiger Turf Talk. I'm your host Drew Miller with your co-host Sam Rui. We have an absolute legend of a guest today um, on a week that is I'm sure very dear to his heart um, being his last football game. We have Mr. Brian Johnson the manager of athletic grounds at Arizona State University. How are you doing today sir? I'm doing wonderful today. That's, that's It was a great.
1: It was a great day on Saturday. Uh, uh fortunately the team capped it off with a nice win. So it just made for a really uh a really complete happy day for me.
0: That is phenomenal. You deserve nothing but the best. Um, <laughs> but I kind of do want to dive into sort of the the culmination of everything that uh was that weekend, you know. Um after 37 years, which is an, an incredible number, you know. I'm in year 5 and I'm just like crawling so there's that um <laughs> but with everything and sort of again just the idea of again something so great and you've done so much in your career not just at ASU and everything um what did that weekend mean to you you know being able to put your own little flair on things as you always do when it comes to the paint schemes and really just bringing home that that last football game
1: Well, it it was a, it was an amazing, uh, it was an amazing emotional day for me. Um, You know, I kind of wanted to go out with a bang and do something special for the game. And, and really it was my assistant, Josh Lenz that, uh, that called a whole bunch of uh, past student workers of mine that wanted to come there and be with me that day. Um, His, it was his idea to put my signature on the logo at the 50 yard line. And I was a bit hesitant to do that at first, just like it's, you know, like, Hey, look at me. Uh, but, um, it ended up being a really cool, uh, a cool thing. It's something that doesn't happen, uh, that often, you know, I, I don't know if it's ever happened where a groundskeeper has signed, uh, signed a logo at the 50 yard line of a, of a big game like that. So, um, it was just, uh, it was just a really, a really fun emotional day for me seeing all my former workers and, uh, Uh, yeah, it was just, it was a great, great day.
0: You deserve nothing but all of that. Um, Again, an icon in the industry, a real inspiration to people like me and my students now. Um, We actually uh, stole one of your designs, the camo you guys did. We actually did it at (laughs) Brentsville. Um, They loved it. Like, This is great. This is going to look great. We're going to do great. I'm sitting over here. I'm like, I'm not sure how this is going to go. We're going to, we're just going to see how it looks when it gets down. You know,
1: you you can't screw up camo. That's the, you know, when I first, uh, first did it, we did, we did camo kind of a, kind of a tannish greenish camo inside of our letters first. And then uh, a few years later we did a kind of a maroon and uh, dark maroon and blackish camo in the background of the end zone. And, you know, uh, you really can't screw it up. You know, there is no, uh. <laughs> You know, if you mess up in a spot, you can just say you intended to do that. It's just so, uh, so it's, it's kind of a fun one that you really can't mess up.
0: That's the dream, right? Having the, having yeah. the ability, I totally meant to do that. You know, it's yeah. not, it's not <laughs> at all a mistake. Okay. <laughs> you can't yeah. question me. Um, but I did want to ask um, when it comes to everything, when your designs, you're, you do such a phenomenal job and they're so unique each and every year um i think again the craziest again maybe not the best to everyone else and their thoughts but the most insane one to me was the topographical map of the stadium where where does sort of this inspiration for all these incredible ideas come from and what has it been like for you to be able to have the opportunity to actually execute these plans that you and your crew come up with
1: yeah so so actually about a week before that game uh, there were three of us my assistant Josh and another guy myself were just walking along the uh, side of our field for our game and and uh, the graphic that they had up in the scoreboard had a bunch of uh, uh, like squiggly lines behind it and I think one of us made the comment that uh, that kind of looks like a topographical map you know and we are situated between two mountains you know we call them buttes here in Arizona but uh, like mini mountains and And it really makes for kind of an iconic setting. And it's even in our fight song, you know, there's a line in our fight song, Echo from the Buttes. So um, A Mountain and Hayden Butte, they're kind of a kind of a fixture here in Tempe. And I thought, well, that would be really cool to honor our setting that we have. You know, it's it's a beautiful setting for football. And so uh, we came up with the idea of doing that topographical map and in the end zone, we had a little star where Sun Devil stadium is situated between the two, the two mountains. We even had a scale in the end zone, you know, like, uh, representing how many, uh, how many feet above elevation it is. And so it was just a really fun, uh, fun end zone to do. I I just knew, I, I think I, I kind of, uh, uh, that week leading up to the game, I kind of, uh, teased uh, my Twitter audience that I was going to be doing something that had never been seen before in college football and I I knew I you know I, I didn't have to fact check that I'm pretty sure that nobody did a topographical map in the end zone so um but we're very fortunate in addition to that that uh, our administration is very accommodating to things that we come up with so we we did kind of a nice professional mock up of how that would look and they they thought it was a great idea and uh, um and and then you know, we we don't have to get stencils for things like that. We do kind of uh, trace everything out with graph paper and tape measure. So it took a little bit of work during the week to trace that all out. But I was just really thrilled with the final product. And uh, and I, I'm kind of proud of how unique we are and kind of we push the envelope in, in terms of our, our logos on the field. And uh, I think uh, it, it's a good thing to be known for that. I, I am a traditionalist, too. I, I kind of like the... Uh, the traditional look of a football field, but a few times a year, uh, it's kind of cool to do something different.
0: I mean, there've been so many different ones, you know, um, I think that's so cool that the administration, I mean, you said it took a week to sort of come up with the idea and show them and just like, yeah, go for it. You know, type of thing. I think that's awesome. Cause it's, I think it's pretty rare when it comes to college athletics for stuff. like Yeah. That. So that's I feel, cool. I feel
1: really blessed. Uh, yeah. we have tremendous sport on, uh, support on our, our ground crew with, with everything that we do, not just our painting schemes, but just the, the administration here at ASU is just very supportive of our ground crew efforts.
0: That's, that's awesome. Um, do you have a favorite one? You know, cause I mean, it's, it's been uh, a long time and you've done so many different things. I remember, uh, the, I don't know if it was a, a military appreciation, but there was like a, a black sunburst, um, in the end zones with the yellow and yeah. it was just beautiful. You know, and one of my that- favorites was, uh, the one you did this year for nine 11. Um, it was funny cause me and the kids were doing ours and we did this, the Pentagon logo on our sideline and whatnot. And we're like. I think we did a really good job. I don't think anybody else did something like that. And then you guys posted, I was like, that, that's <laughs> definitely the best right there. Okay.
1: Our intent wasn't to outdo anybody for that Oh, no, no, that no, no, no. Because uh because of the because of the uh because of the uh, nature of that event, you know, and, and the way the reason kind of we chose to do it the way we did, we didn't want to be too uh too loud and too uh, bright and cheerful looking of a logo we kind of wanted it to be solemn and we thought that the green uh, you know the green subtle nature of that would kind of play really well and and my assistant Josh he he's the one that designed that we actually both had some things in the works and I kind of was really proud like you uh, proud of what I had designed and then I showed it to Josh. He says, "Well, here's what I have going on." I go, "Well, you win." Uh, so uh, we we did his, we did his design, and it, I thought it came out beautifully. And I think the uh, military one you're talking about is that was also another Josh design where we had a star in the middle of the end zone, and we had uh, some uh, gray and uh, gray and black streams kind of emanating from that star. But then at the bottom, we had uh, ASU on one side and uh, mirror reflection of USA on the other side, and uh, that really uh, that really uh, hit the mark too. But I think my favorite is our center field logo that we did two years ago for the game against Arizona. And the one that we just, it was the same logo that we did just this past weekend, except I had my signature in the bottom. That was the only difference, but that, so because it was my last game, I kind of got to choose my favorites. Uh, and so, uh, the center field logo was a no brainer for me. It's that one that we did two years prior that, uh, giant sparky face inside of the state of Arizona It just really uh it speaks to the rivalry that we have in Arizona with the University of Arizona and it it just kind of uh it's just like out there you know like you can't miss it and uh uh I I just really loved it
0: I just I love the whole aspect of including the state into it you know and just the way again the face fit perfectly in it you know um the reason
1: the reason that that state was there was uh, two years ago, we had a game the week before we play Oregon and the week before that, and we normally paint a 40 foot by 80 foot pitchfork at midfield. So when we painted that sparky face, there was a lot of that pitchfork that was still visible outside of the sparky face. So we had to cover it up somehow. And nice. we thought, well, we could paint a circle around his face or a square. And then we thought, well, we're playing Arizona. Let's paint the state of Arizona around it. And it just, it just worked perfectly.
0: That that's incredible. Um, especially, and what what you're saying, there's a lot of different like ideas bounced off each other, and that's what we try to do here at Brentsville with our kids. You know, we all have a meeting at the beginning of the year, and there are themes given to us by the student body beforehand. And I'm like, okay, how do you want to make this unique? What are you thinking? Uh, what are certain things that we can do, can't do? What is that meeting for you guys? And how how have you sort of seen again sort of that communication and creativity sort of? grow and how have you been sort of been able to empower your crew in the sense of, okay, whatever you guys can come up with and we can agree on, we're going to do, and it's going to be great. And again, I think that's, what's really big about, again, the youth that we have is the sense of accomplishment to, again, go from like the planning stages to the, the, sort of discussion understanding and then actually executing it, you know, a lot of, and nothing against any high school teachers, but it's very hard to bring that execution stage into the OA classroom, you know, and being able to have kids see that, what is it like for you and your crew?
1: Well, it, it, um, uh, it, it is nice. Our crew knows now that, um, nothing is off limits, you know, in terms of creativity they've seen through the years that, uh, our administration is is willing to work with us and, and 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 I'm totally fine. It's not like I'm the boss, and what I say goes. In fact, every creative thing I come up with, my assistant Josh, comes up with one step better, and we always end up doing his thing and I'm totally fine with that I, uh, you know I, I, I love it, and, and so that kind of permeates throughout our our whole crew and it really starts in the summertime, just like you said we, uh, we kind of get with our equipment staff. And uh, there's certain themes to each game, like military appreciation or city attempt B night or, uh, you know, this week uh, or one week this year, we had a Hispanic heritage uh, month game and we painted Los Diablos in the end zone instead of Sun Devils. And uh, so it, it, that planning, though, has to start in the summertime. And we kind of look at the different uniform combinations that they're going and we can incorporate something from the uniform into the field that week. I just love that so much is seeing some starbursts or some sun rays on the shoulder of a uniform, and then we have some on the field to match it. So uh, there is a lot of planning involved with that, and it starts over the summer, and then we just kind of kick ideas around, and it just kind of it, it takes place, and it's, it's a beautiful thing.
2: So there's a video out there about how you started your career by interning at ASU. Um, what was it like for you to go from Minnesota to a place like Phoenix to pursue your career? Well, um,
1: I had a brother that had lived down in in Phoenix uh when I was in high school back in Minnesota. And I came down here in March of 1978, and we went to some spring training games. I already knew that I wanted to be a groundskeeper. I was I'm kind of unique because a lot of people don't know what they want to do with their life. And I knew that I wanted to be a groundskeeper. And when I came down here to see him, And I just went to some spring training games and all the fields looked really nice and grass, green grass, and there was snow back home. I knew that this was the place for me. So when I came down here to do my internship, um, you know, I I, I knew that I wanted to relocate here. And I did my internship at ASU and I was working at all the athletic fields. And uh, I volunteered 480 hours, you know, 40 hours a week for 12 12 weeks. So I, I put my time in and i learned a great deal and it just so happened when that internship ended they had a full time job open up here at asu and I, I was able to get that job primarily because of my volunteer work i did on that internship and uh and i just loved my experience and i love this university so much that i just never left and it so it's uh it, it was really uh it was really a, a tremendous opportunity for me i it's not like I moved away from Minnesota to get away from the cold weather. I enjoyed the winters there. Uh, it just, I just knew that there was going to be a lot more job opportunities down here for me. And I had a brother that lived there at the time. He since moved back, and uh, and so I'm kind of here by myself. But uh, uh, I just love it here. I just, lo- I, I just love it here. It's my home, and and obviously I, I loved ASU, staying here for 37 years.
0: Hopefully you love that. I mean, 37 years, is a big commitment, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, with that. And again, you sort of spoke to it. Um, you always knew you want to be a groundskeeper. What was it that, I mean, you know, brought you to the idea again of, okay, I want, I want to pursue this career. And again, it's such a unique career. Um, and again, I've had conversations with sports turf managers across the country about it. How do we bring kids into the idea of becoming a sports turf manager? You know, um, what was it for you specifically that was the sort of draw to becoming a groundskeeper and how did it sort of catch your attention and how did that passion sort of grow after the first internship and then getting into the job, you know, to the point again, like you said, led to 37 years there, you know? Yeah. I, uh, you, you know,
1: at a young age, I, I was the guy in my neighborhood that went around and mowed everybody's lawn. Um, uh, you know, uh, just to make some side money, but I, you know, I was always kind of an outdoors person, but I think where it really hit home for me was I played baseball back in high school and we didn't have a, uh, we didn't have a groundskeeper taking care of the field. Really. It was, uh, you know, the players had to pitch in and do that. And when practice would end, everybody would kind of hightail it out of there and get back and shower up and go home. I was the one guy that, stayed and raked a little extra. And, and I I just wanted the field to look really good for our game coming up or, you know, and so it wasn't an intentional, uh, thing. I just, I found myself being fascinated by that. And so, um, I guess it was after I finished playing baseball in high school that I, I just knew that, you know, there must be something to this. There must be some reason why, I want to stay after practice and make the field look good and and wow, I can make a job out of that. That's uh that's really cool. So um, and then when I then, you know, I I I went to school back in Minnesota, but I, you know, I came down here to ASU to do that internship. And then when I started at the job, you know, because I didn't graduate from a university with a turf program, um, you know, I knew I knew so much more, so much little. <laughs> I know so much more now than I did when I started, obviously. And uh, there was a lot of trial and error on my part and a lot of uh, trying to learn learn on the job when I first started out here. But I just, uh, so I didn't, I wasn't really equip, equipped with a lot of knowledge, but what I did have was I, I wasn't going to settle for being an average groundskeeper. You know, like I, I you know, I didn't want to just get by. I wanted to be what I considered the best. So if that meant working long hours, if that meant trying to get a hold of some key individuals and learn from them, uh, if that meant a lot of trial and error and, and making notes and figuring out what worked and what didn't work, I was going to do all that. Uh, so I kind of made up for my lack of experience and my lack of knowledge by just wanting to be the best.
0: Incredible, you know, and I think that's what's great about the industry. Is there are so many people that you can reach out to, you know, and. Uh, Gain that knowledge um, from and sort of to transition sort of in the same it's just I believe it's the same video um, that was released a couple days ago Um, you discuss your work and how being a groundskeeper is so much more than cutting grass you know Um, and there's truly a grind behind it I think you compared it to again the football players and sort of the understanding of that what is it again just overall, and it, it truly is a grind. And I think that's what is incredible about being able to show kids the idea of what a groundkeeper is so much beyond that. Um, what is it that kept you on that grind for 37 years and truly was your life's work?
1: You know, when I, when I describe that grind, it is a grind over a career, you know, like, it, you know, it, it, it's, uh, you know, uh, it's a very physically taxing job and, and, and stressful at times. But when I first uh, used that term, the uh, grind, I kind of, I kind of used it as uh like to describe a football season, you know, like generally speaking, most football fields look beautiful to start the season, you know, like you've had all summer and they look all beautiful and pristine. And then the team starts practicing on them and playing games on them. And, you know uh, and at first you're kind of excited that first paint job of the year you're all excited and then they they have a game the next week and in Phoenix here it's 115 degrees and you know you got to go out there and sweat and do it again and then by the time it's the third and fourth game now you're not quite as excited as you were to paint the field for that first game but and you're tempted to take some shortcuts but you gotta you know it's a grind you got to you got to grind your way through it and do your best work each week. You know, you, um, uh, the field starting to get a little worn out halfway through the season and, you know, you just want to go home. You know, we generally play night games that start at seven 8 o'clock and the games are ending at 1130 and we all just want to go home, but we stay till four in the morning, five in the morning and mow the grass and, and fertilize and reseed it and get all that work done right away to give it that much more time to get ready for the next game. So, you know that's the kind of grind that i'm talking about you know just uh uh, uh forcing yourself to to put in the work and uh you know you, you get tired during the season and you have to pick and choose your spots where you, you need some family time or time away but uh um but then at the end of the season you know uh, you, you know there's been a lot of ups and downs where the field looked great and then not so great and then better and uh so it's, it's not like a nine to five office job. There is a, uh, there's a lot of stages in a season that you have to just make sure you're, you're uh, staying on, stay on the grind.
2: So as an athletic grounds manager, can you uh, speak of some of the details maybe that people don't know about what your job entails? And also speaking of the grounds and the late nights, can you talk about uh, what makes up your facilities?
1: Um, the, uh, the thing that I like about the job, uh, is groundskeepers are kind of like jacks of all trade. You know, you, um, uh, you know, I, 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 feel working around college kids and I'm, I'm older, you know, I, I feel like I'm, uh, have to nurture these kids and make sure I'm involved in their life and the stresses that come with schoolwork as they're trying to juggle a part-time job with me. Uh, you know, that's an important part of it. Mowing, uh, I got, you know, you have to maintain your mower and sharpen your blades and, and change the oil. You know, you have to know how to put seed on the field. You have to know how to paint, you know, I just love that. Uh, I just love that, uh, you know, you have to be a versatile, uh, you know, a versatile, uh, versatile, you have to have a lot of job skills and, uh, and that's what I like about it. And, uh, And I I really enjoy the college aspect of it uh, because we do have, like you mentioned in your second question, we do have a lot of uh, facilities. We have a lot of acreage that we take care of and it's, you know, soccer and and football practice and lacrosse and softball and baseball and uh, track, you know. And so, you know, our ground crew is in charge of all those facilities and uh, each one has its unique challenges involved. And uh, you also have to be a master scheduler because, you know, the, the soccer team might be out of town and that's a little break where you can get the field fertilized. And, you know, when they come back, maybe the lacrosse team is, is gone for a few days and you have to kind of really communicate with all the coaches and plan little windows of maintenance on the fields. And uh, but, but I do really love that versatility that you see at a college uh, you know, and, and there's a lot of different personalities. A lot of coaches are easy to work and work with, and some are are not quite so easy. So, uh, there's just so many different challenges, but it's, I find them to be really enjoyable challenges.
0: Now with your facility, um, I know you have all the major, uh, college, uh, teams, athletics. I'm sorry. I'm the word escaped me. Uh, and it's still not the right word. So, um, <laughs> With those fields and everything, um, what uh, type of grass, what type of Bermuda grass are you growing Um, and how has that sort of changed over the years again from when you started uh, as an intern to the point where you are now um, with you being in such a sort of, um, I don't know, stagnant is the right word, but the the same exact climate for, for, again, the majority of the year um in comparison to someone like us who are in that transition zone where you're fighting that cold winter and everything um what has it been like you for you with your sort of uh, transition of different cultivars or different bermuda grasses and how have you sort of seen it change over the years
1: well when i first started here all our fields were native soil fields and uh I couldn't even tell you what variety they were. They were just a mixture of a lot of different things, and uh, and so we've been slowly chipping away at that. You know, it started with uh, Sun Devil Stadium uh, turning that into a sand base field, and 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 four nineteen is a variety of Bermuda that we pretty much have on all of our fields except for uh, right now, I guess it would be our, our track infield field and our uh, our softball outfield. But we're we're, we're getting there uh, to to have four nineteen on all of our fields, but. Uh, we just recently built some new. Uh, we redid our soccer stadium field and our soccer and lacrosse practice field, and those are all sand-based fields with 419 on them. And so that's kind of the variety that seems to do really well here, and uh, and we've had a lot of luck, a lot of a lot of success with it. Now, I take exception to your comment that we don't have any seasons here. We do. we I apologize. We have, I know we, we monsoon have, season. We have, we have very hot very nice (laughs) somewhat cool somewhat nice very nice and then uh yeah so uh but it really for me to love this
0: is okay (laughs) with this somewhat is not really hurt by this and then back yeah yeah uh
1: but um so yeah i heard you say monsoon season very few people know that in july and august here uh you know in june it can be 117 118 degrees and zero percent humidity and then all of a sudden the flips uh, the switch flips in july and august and and the, the highs go down down to like 105 but it gets humid and we get dust storms and rainstorms and and but it's really ideal bermuda growing weather at that time so we we go from late summer to having some really awesome bermuda growing weather but then we're very fortunate because then when we uh, overseed with uh, perennial ryegrass and September, October. It's really ideal conditions for that. And that ryegrass thrives over the winter here. And we don't have to, you know, we put growth blankets on our field. Um, you know, it does get down into the thirties and forties occasionally. So we put growth blankets on our field and then, uh, the field still that ryegrass is doing great, you know, in the spring. And then we do spray out, we spray out all that ryegrass, in uh, usually April or May and then uh, transition back to Bermuda for the summer. So we do have that constant transition from, you know, all Bermuda to overseeded rye and then back and forth and back and forth. But we, w- I, you know, there's really uh, compared to a lot of other parts of the country, we really do have some ideal conditions here.
0: Yeah. I th- Sam, what was it? 21 degrees when we walked out this morning? I was, I was just about
2: to say <laughs> was twenty this morning. Yeah, <laughs> I was thinking that. Yeah it was good. It uh, felt nice. But, but felt you know,
1: a, a lot, a lot of people, you know, they'll say to me like, Oh, you must be so talented. You're growing grass in the desert. And I, sometimes I tell them, you know, it's really not that hard. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, we got an irrigation system and we got varieties of grass that thrive at that time of the year, you know, and, and good, good times of the year to overseed ryegrass on it. So, um, you know, I really, I really have been blessed with, uh, some, uh, great conditions here to grow grass.
0: Absolutely. My boss, uh, Chris Acton, my former boss, I should say, uh, he always said, don't over, don't ever overthink grass. Okay. It'll take care of itself. Just don't overthink it. Cause otherwise you're going to screw it up.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I, I say that, especially with Bermuda grass, you know, uh, we've had a few people. In fact, my assistant, Josh came from a cool season. Uh, he went to school at Iowa state and was working at, uh, uh, University of Colorado before coming here, and and we've had a number of people that were cool season grass people that have come here, and they, when I'm telling them about maintaining Bermuda grass, I tell them you, <laughs> you can't screw it up, you know you can uh, you can scalp it, you can over fertilize it, under fertilize it, and it's just a very resilient. Don't grass, spill the so. gas.
0: Don't spill the gas. It you stay, be
1: fine. Yeah, stay out of the way. You know, stay out <laughs> of this way. Yeah.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Um, So I actually had the honor of visiting uh, the stadium down there in Tempe. And again, at the time, and I actually met you. I don't know if you remember that. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, I want to say thank you for coming all the way back just to host us that day. I remember you were at the Super Bowl and then you came back out and went back. Um, That was incredible. Um, Again, the facility was gorgeous and everything that went into sort of the heritage of the stadium, if, if that's the right term. Mm-hmm. It's such a special place to the people in, again, the area of the college, the students. Could you sort of talk about how the stadium became such an iconic place for such so many special events from uh, hosting uh, international friendly competition for soccer, um, concerts that are some of the biggest in the world, if I remember that correctly, um, to, again, I think you had XFL for a while there. You had other things. What was it again, that sort of became such a big part of what ASU is and how you sort of, again, were the one running the show during all of these times through the past 30 years, you know, Um, did you sort of discuss that and how it sort of became such an iconic place?
1: Well, I, I think just the natural setting of the stadium, as you saw, you know, uh, kind of nestled between two mountains and, and Tempe, Tempe is really a, uh, uh, it's really a, a nice, uh, a beautiful college town. And, you know, it's got that college atmosphere and, 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 you know, we, we hosted many national championships, Fiesta bowl games here. And, and, you know, I, I think back to those games and those are some of my, uh, I have some of my fondest memories because, you know, uh, nowadays these, Bowl games are going to all the the big shiny NFL stadiums with suites and that. And back in the day, Tempe was the place to be, you know. And and a few blocks over on Mill Avenue, they'd have a New Year's Eve block party with bands playing. And and so I think just the the location of our stadium just kind of lent to a lot of what you're talking about. But then other. You know, like you two was just in love with the area and, and they filmed rattle and hum in the stadium and they started a few of their tours in Tempe and and we we had the Pope uh on our field. President Obama's first uh uh first uh, um commencement address when he became president was in Sun Devil Stadium. Uh you know, besides all of the football games, um we've just have had a lot of lot of events and I feel very lucky to have been there for a lot of them um and uh you know it, it's just uh back you know in terms of sun devil football you know the cardinals are kind of a recent uh you know addition to the valley if you're talking about long time history you know um uh I'm trying to remember the year 1998 you know so for many years when i started at asu 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 and the suns were the only two sports in town so you know, uh, Saturday nights in Tempe was, uh, you know, was the place to be. You know, and 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 so now we're competing with them for their dollar to come out and see football. But uh, I think it all started just with this was just the place to be. And uh, and when you're working in a place where it's the place to be, it you know, there's a little pressure involved with that because there's a lot of eyes on it. But uh, I don't know. It's just it's just such a such. I've commented recently, it's just been such a beautiful place to work. So I can't imagine a better place to be a groundskeeper.
0: You definitely had the wow factor whenever we all looked, you know, with everything mm-hmm. that you did in your career. So definitely worth it. Um, I mean, ranging from the Pope to you two. was there ever a favorite moment for you uh, sort of whether it's a special guest, a game that you remember fondly or, Maybe just a crazy event that was just maybe a monsoon came in the middle of the game. You're like, uh oh. <laughs> you know?
1: Uh, well, yeah. I'll I'll tell you uh two really quick stories. I I guess my my favorite uh event, ironically enough, um, you know, it should be a Sun Devil game, but then you know, Super Bowl thirty was my introduction into working Super Bowls, and that was at Sun Devil Stadium. And um uh, and the NFL crew came with, you know, their own crew, but for whatever reason that year, they needed some extra help and uh, uh, kind of survived a George Toma uh, audition there, preparing for that game. Um, you know that uh, I'll tell you the second story uh, if I can remember it next. But so uh, George George flew down. I knew who he was, obviously. He didn't know me, and I was trimming the Cardinal end zone letters, and uh, he walked down there and he just he folded his arms, you know, and was watching me trim the letters. And I, I thought I was doing a really good job. I did the C, you know, and then I went over to the A and he just followed me around, you know, and, and moved down the line, each letter, not saying a word. And I thought, you know, what's he thinking? Am I, I feel like I'm doing a good job, but he's not saying anything. And then it got down to the last letter. Then he said, Hey, good job, son. Uh, uh, can you help us paint for the Super Bowl?" And I said, Yeah. Yeah. I can do that. You know, sure. Uh, no problem. Uh, so, um, you know, that super bowl 30 will, uh, will always be uh, a favorite. And I forgot this. I forgot the, uh, the other, um, the other, Oh, a little story. You, You said, uh, any crazy monsoon storms or anything like that. So I forget the year, but ASU played the played Iowa on a Saturday night and it was a late kick and we had a downpour before the game started Fortunately, it stopped and the game went by fine and the field played beautifully. But we beat Iowa and the fans ran on the field and jumped on the goalpost and they were dangling off the goalpost till like one in the morning. And we had a Cardinal, a Cardinal, uh, New England Patriot game the next day. Um, and so now we start painting the field at like one in the morning for the Cardinal game and we finish about 4 30. We did a really rush job, a good job, but a rush job. And everybody's just dead tired and They're falling asleep on the cement floor in my shop. And I look at the radar and there's a cell coming our way, this red cell on radar. And it's like 15 minutes away. And so I kick everybody and say, hey, get up, we got to go tarp the field. So we got three of the four pieces out in the field. And during that fourth piece, I swear lightning struck just outside the stadium and everybody went scattering. And there were like five of us that put that last piece of tarp on the field, but we got it tarped. And then I'll just never forget I think Belichick must've sent uh, an assistant out to the stadium. He might've been heard the rain overnight and was worried about field conditions. And uh, I went out to check on the field and it was still raining at six o'clock and there was this Patriots assistant there on the phone. And he said, yeah, they have the field tarp. So maybe there's still hope or something like that. And then we got the tarp off the field and then uh, uh, everybody, all the players, the Cardinal players and the Patriots players were just so thankful that, Uh, that we got the field painted and then we tarped it for the rain. And then that game went off without a hitch. So, um, you know, a lot of things behind the scenes like that, that, uh, that the public's not quite aware of, but it was just, uh, it was a mad scramble to get that tarp on the field. And, 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 uh, I'm glad we did because we got a lot more, (laughs) a lot more rain after that.
0: Those are the stories you love, you know, those are the ones you hold on to. So that's incredible. Now I do have a question. Okay. One of your forms of painting, and again, I think you have the steadiest hand I've ever seen when it comes to seeing videos and whatnot. Where did you come up with the cart for the line? <laughs> okay. Cause I'm sitting here like, okay, he's got his legs out like that. Like, hold it perfectly, right at the same level the entire time. I can't hold it straight when I'm painting two feet. When it comes to <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where did you come up with that? And how did that kind of become, again, sort of the, the, uh, way of like your way of doing it, you know? Well, um,
1: back, you know, back a number of years ago, when we had to paint like, uh, like three fields for camps in the summertime. And again, it's like 115 degrees and, uh, you know, you're pushing a paint machine and you're dying after like four lines. So we, we, we got to figure out something different. So we came up with that idea and we had a driver at that time and a guy on the side, like I am, you know, holding the gun and we go, wow, this, this works pretty good. And then, uh, so then eventually we lost the driver and I'm holding on with one hand steering and spraying out the other hand. And it's just like anything, if you do it over and over and over enough times, you get good at it. And, uh, the thing that I, I like about it is if you're pushing a paint machine and especially like halfway through the season and the field's starting to get a little bit divoted up and there's little bumps in it, you know, then that you know, the lines, the line machine can get kind of, you know, uh, you can see little bumps and waves in the line, but the way I do it, I'm kind of riding above all that. And I'm able to use my hand and the machine is kind of taking the bumps, but my hand is staying steady. So, um, I know it's not common, but, uh, it's just some, so that, that, that old AMT 600 John Deere machine, it has got to be like 30 years old. And people said, you know, I consider it one of the most valuable uh, pieces of equipment in my shop just for the the time that it saves us painting lines. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it if it was just solely a time saver. If the lines came out looking not very good, then I would spend the time to do something differently. But uh, the fact that I can get them really close, looking to a nice stenciled line and save some time and, and use that time to make some other logos pop then uh, I think it's a it's a good thing.
0: Is there anyone else that can do it? That's my real question.
1: You know, I think the Cardinals crew, uh, my friend Andy out there, I think they've adopted that too. They have a a, a golf cart that they really? ride. Uh, yeah, so yeah, we had Andy
0: they, on a few, uh, no, yeah, more than a few now, but <laughs> way back. Um, yeah.
1: It's, it's, uh, it's kind of caught on. I don't, I don't know. You have to have the right person in the right cart to make it work. Again, but- my,
0: my thing again, is just the fact that you're driving it and you're hunched over <laughs> and it's perfect. And I'm like, well, I couldn't drive straight. And then I couldn't hold a hand steady. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. If no one else at your facility can do it, you should be able to take that home with you in retirement, the machine. Itself. Yeah. I'm just yeah. saying everyone at <laughs> ASU. I think that goes home with him. I'm just saying
2: yeah.
0: <laughs> um, something we sort of talked about a little bit earlier um, when it came to sort of working with your administration, what was it like you to be able to develop a relationship where again, you just quick snap idea and create it. What was it building that relationship over the years? And again, not just with the administration, you were talking about coaches and some coaches you can deal with this way and that way. How did you sort of, uh, gain those skills to create those relationships that have led to such great successes when it comes to uh, your field management.
1: Well, I I think, I think success breeds success. I think the fact that we have had a lot of success in, in maintaining our grass and, and, and making it aesthetically pleasing. I think, uh, the fact that we haven't had, you know, problems, you know, like if we were constantly, having some issues with the field and, and coaches were constantly calling about issues here or there. Then I think if I went to somebody and said, we want to do this, you know, there, you know, oh, maybe you should worry about your grass <laughs> instead of this logo or whatever. So I think, I, I think just, um, you, you know, just treating people with respect and being friendly and, and, and developing the relationship outside of the work. And then you combine that with some success at work. It just, uh, there's just a really outstanding vibe with the ASU athletic department and amongst the employees. We're all, we're all on one team. And, and I think, I think uh, our administration sees some of the, uh, some of the comments that our fans make on, uh, on our fields. And uh, so I think that that's kind of lent them to, uh, you know, to kind of agree with us on some of the things that we want to do. It's very rare that we present something where they say, uh better not do that. So uh, yeah, I think I think it all just starts with the whole atmosphere that we have in athletics and, and just kind of nurturing those relationships outside of work and then having some success at work.
2: So in our high school program, one of the things that I didn't think I would learn, but I ended up learning so much is leadership and communication and teamwork. And uh, you mentioned earlier that you're, like a lot of the grounds crew there is college kids. And so you must have to do something, you know, maybe treat them a little bit differently than you would other people. So can you talk about uh, some of the teamwork it takes to maintain a field and do some of the really cool designs that you've done in the past?
1: Well, um, since we are utilizing a lot of our, our our work is done with students and uh, you know, you you have to spend some time training them because very few of our students here. It's not like we have a turf program here at ASU, so a lot of these guys are just looking for a job, and uh, and so they've never been on a mower before, and we and we have to teach them. And then when they get good at it, then they graduate, move on, and then we have to start that process all over again. So, uh, but I think the advantage to working at a university is I I'm I'm gonna be uh, I'm 59 now. I'm gonna be 60 when I retire. Uh, in the spring here. And, uh, um, I think they've kind of kept me feeling young. So, uh, but you, I, I think I just feel like being involved in their lives and, and knowing what they're going through and the pressures of going to school and, and, uh, asking them occasionally how, how things are going, how's their family getting to know their families. I think that all, uh, I think that's all so important, uh, you know, and then the, the designs and them helping on the designs, they're just going to want to, uh, it starts with that relationship. And if you can develop that, then they're just going to want to do anything for you. You know, I, I feel like our students would do anything for me. Um, in fact, one of them got in a little tussle with the uh, university of Arizona player when they're tearing up
0: the field. I, so that. It, I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah. But yeah they, like, they were. Yeah, you, you. That's right. You know,
1: <laughs> they would do, they would do anything for me. And I think, Um, he probably shouldn't have done what he did and they probably shouldn't have done what they did. And I think he just wanted the field to look perfect for my last game. And, and, and so again, they would do anything for me and I would do anything for them. So when you have that kind of relationship, it makes it very easy to say, Hey fellas, we got to stay all night tonight after the game and work on the field. And they're they're not like, oh gosh, do we have to? It's just yes, sir. What whatever you need, and it all starts with that relationship ahead of time and 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 maintaining that during their during their work career.
2: We actually had one of those nights. I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah, um, I
1: I enjoyed like the 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 crowd is all gone. The lights are on, the birds are chirping and uh, we're out there sprinkling pre-germinated rye seed and all the divots. And uh, yeah, I just, I just love that time spent after the, after the game uh, working on it. And, you know, uh, if it, if it has to be till four in the morning, so be it. You know, uh, I think um, a lot of people might be tempted to hightail it out of there and we'll just save the work for money, but that's an extra day and a half, two days of Of growth, we can get on that seed, you know, to to make it look that much better for the next game.
2: So uh, I think Mr. Miller mentioned it earlier. I want to work in the industry eventually, and so I was wondering what you look for in maybe a future hire, because there's a lot of trust involved in the process. And you said you'd take the time to train them right, but what are you looking for when you're taking people on?
1: Well, again, I don't because we're hiring kids that don't really have any experience and very few of them want to be groundskeepers. um, I'm just looking for somebody with a good work ethic and is trustworthy. Um, You know uh, uh, we can train them to do anything, you know, uh, you know, it's not like, it's not like rocket science that we're doing, but um, just to have somebody that takes a lot of pride in their work, I guess, I guess that would be the the thing if, you know, during an interview, you can kind of sense or ask, and you sense early on, if somebody's taking a lot of pride in their work, like if I'm not around and they're doing something, I just want them, they're kind of a reflection on me, and I want them to do it the way that I would want it done. And, uh, and so I've been very blessed and very fortunate to have a lot of great uh, student workers here that did great work, uh, while they were here. But um, again, they would do anything for me and I would do anything for them just because of the relationship that we developed. So um, I wouldn't be necessarily preoccupied with learning every aspect of groundskeeping. Um, like I said, I knew very little when I started here at ASU, but I had a desire to be good at groundskeeping and I had took pride in my work And I think that got me by even more so than knowing every little skill. Now, you eventually want to learn those. But if you learn all those, but you don't have pride in your work, then I think uh, it's going to be a tough go.
2: I think that was a great answer of work ethic, because I've been in situations in the past and it's very hard to work with people who don't want to work like you do.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, And you can, it's hard to teach people work ethic you know, uh, I think you have it or you don't, you know, I, I try to lead by example first, you know, and hope that they pick up on that, you know, like, Ooh, wow, he's serious about this. You know, we better do it that way. Um, but then eventually, you know, uh, sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't, sometimes you have to get on somebody, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, uh, you work with a lot of different personalities and people are motivated differently. Some, some are motivated by praising them. Some you have to
0: get on them a little bit. By example, I think is the most effective way. Um, and Sam, mm-hmm. you were talking about like two days ago when you were calling people out in class. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Um, something that comes uh, w- with that. And like you said, a lot of the guys you have working for you don't actually become Turf managers, but you've talked about your assistant a lot and everything that he's done. Um, how have you seen the industry change since when you started? You know, when it comes to the generations that have come up, uh, I mean, there are turf managers that are now prominent figures in the industry that were not around when you first started. And with everything that you've done in your career, um, You've probably seen from your perspective the most change when it comes to understanding what this industry is and how far it's come, and how hopefully how far it will come. You know, um, what has it been with your perspective um, when when it comes to everything like that?
1: Well, um, uh, there's been so many improvements in groundskeeping, uh, and you, you name it, every area, just uh, in, in our equipment that we're using and innovations that have been uh, come along that that. Uh, have improved the quality of fields, just the uh, techniques that we use, the, uh, the science, you know, like I, you know, to, to be honest, I didn't know the difference between ryegrass and Bermudagrass. When I started my first job here at ASU, that's where I came from. I came down here, uh, and worked at internship and I started working at a college baseball facility. I didn't know the difference between ryegrass and and Bermudagrass, but again, I had that desire to, to learn all that and to be good at it. But, um, I think just the 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 quality of the turf programs around the country and these schools and and people are coming into their jobs at a much uh, much more prepared than I was back in the day, and that's a good thing. I'm not saying that you should follow my example. I'm just kind of a rare a rare breed that uh, ended up with a long career uh, with starting out with very little um, but I, I've made the comment before, and I'm going to say it again because it kind of fits. Um, you know, I've turned on the TV when you turn on the TV 15 years ago and watch an afternoon of football, you would see a good field here. And then you'd flip the station and you go, Ooh, you know, what's going wrong there. And then you'd turn the station and, Ugh, you know, that's pretty bad. And then, uh, you know, see another good one here or there. Nowadays, when you turn on the TV and you're watching football, it's, beautiful field after beautiful field after beautiful field. And that's such a great thing. You know, that's, that's, uh, you know, you know, I don't want to be better than anybody else. I want everybody to be, uh, I want everybody to be good. You know, like um, uh, it's just, it's just a, it's just a good thing, the advances that have been made. And I can't really put my finger on it. I just was so, uh, so in, in my own zone, trying to improve my own skills, uh, but, uh, but there's been a lot of advancements in groundskeeping and, and that's just a wonderful thing. it's a wonderful thing. And I think the importance of a quality field has become more, uh, uh, it's more of a necessity, you know, these days, uh, athletic departments are putting more money into their fields, uh, you know, athlete safety has become a lot more uh, of a priority. So all that all rolled up into a big ball is just, it's been great for the industry.
2: I just want to mention something that I didn't use to see when you, when you do this for a little bit, you can't turn on the TV and watch like sports and not look at the field. It's kind of, it's kind of torture.
1: I I very rarely, I would watch, uh, let me try to give an example. Uh, This coming weekend, if I had a choice of watching, a Lions Bears game uh, in Chicago, or a uh, or a uh, who's good a-, a Cardinals playing some other team on artificial turf. I would watch the game on grass, uh, you know. A- and then, like you say, every whether it's artificial or grass, I uh, I pay very little attention to the game itself, and I'm I'm watching the watching the fields and I I'm glad that you are and I think there's I, I think I have a feeling that most groundskeepers are the same way uh, maybe they get into the game eventually but you never turn on a game without at first kind of assessing the situation and checking out the field which which puts pressure not pressure a good pressure on us to you know you don't want people flipping the station and turning on your game and saying mm, you know like uh you want to Not that I do it for other people's reactions because you also have to be careful because everybody's in a different situation. Some person's field might not look that good, but the coach has been practicing on it all week long or uh, they had a rainstorm the week before. And, you know, so you can't be too critical, but um, generally speaking, the field quality has improved so much and it's a wonderful thing.
0: Remember when I worked for the Pirates uh my Matt Brown the head groundskeeper there he used to just critique everything on the TV. He's like there's a hot spot. Well, that's not good. I'm like yeah. what what what's going on, okay? <laughs> i was like yeah. we, we'll yeah. fix it later, okay? <laughs> we can't yeah. go out there right now. Um I,
1: I I'm so I'm so old that um that the two things that really uh I wasn't a fan of it at first because they exposed every little flaw with these sky cams and high definition TV, you know, back in the day when you had a little small TV and it was all fuzzy, you know, the field looked good, but now all of a sudden you got this camera hovering straight above uh middle of the field and looking down on every flaw and in high definition, you know, like 5k or whatever. So, um, you know, the advancements in video are kind of, a uh making it tough on groundskeepers
0: and Then you have then you have twitter and social media like oh look at that. Yeah. Like, do yeah. you even know what's going on no <laughs> yeah no yeah. uh, for sure for sure um you sort of talked to uh, about it a little bit um and i love the story because I- i've never met toma but it just sounds like him from everyone that i've talked to and their experiences. Just staring you down. If I, if he was staring at me, I'd be like, (laughs) Jesus, what's going on? Um, but you, you again worked the past how long, how many Super Bowls has it been?
1: 25 something. I started with 30, and I think this is going to be 56 coming up this year. So,
0: you know, where it's been been a long
1: run, huh?
0: You know, where it is this year
1: in Los Angeles.
0: Oh, okay. So, yeah. Again, incredible opportunity, and what I think what's great about the group is the the different types of groundskeepers that are coming together, you know. Um, at Magnum, and at Magnum, yeah. am I saying that right? Ed Magnum, Ed yeah. Ed Mangan. sorry, I knew that. Sorry, Ed Magnum, if you listen to this. Appreciate you listening. Sorry, I forgot that wrong. Um, the head groundskeeper of the Braves, a baseball guy who is in charge of, again, with the crew and everything for the Super Bowl and for other things, I believe. Uh, just sort of the NFL consultant um, to we had Nick Pappas on the other day um, a bunch of other guys uh, Travis was talking about it uh, and just a great group of guys that come together each and every year to again the biggest sporting event every year for anyone uh, and again I'm a baseball guy so I know it sounds bad but there's only one Super Bowl there's seven World Series you know <laughs> yeah so What has that experience been like for you? And again, everyone talks about George Toma and the iconic impact he's had on the industry. Um, What has it been like to work with someone like that and the other guys in the industry on, again, the biggest event for a sports surf manager that there is?
1: Well, um, I, I've been good friends with George for 25 years now. We're, we're, we're good friends. And to be able to say that um, is a really cool thing. Uh, and back to that story where he was just following me down and he was a pretty feisty, fiery guy back in the day. And, and uh, um, you know, so to be put in that opportunity, I was in the right place at the right time. But I tell people you can be in the right place at the right time, but not have the skills or not have honed your skills. And you you, you have to take advantage of that opportunity. So I just feel very blessed and fortunate that I was put in that opportunity and then I had some success and and it's led to you know these Super Bowl opportunities all these years. And so um, you know, I, I consider George a great friend and and all all these um uh, all the all the people that I worked with at the Super Bowl. The crews changed a little bit over the years, but you know, you mentioned Nick and and uh I had a great time with him in London working an overseas game this year and I consider him a good friend. Travis, I've known from working Super Bowls way back, and and uh, I consider him a good friend. I, I consider all these guys really good friends, and uh, to be able to work alongside them at the you know on the field, you know the biggest stage of uh, you know in sports, it's just uh, it's just been a really a, a really big blessing in my life, and uh, just to just to have all these great great groundskeepers and and. You know, there is some downtime at the Super Bowls and we're all bouncing ideas off each other. And I think we're all making each other better, you know, like some people might, there might be a problem there. And I'll, I would say, well, this is how we would do it. And they would say, oh, I never thought about that, you know, and then maybe they take that back to their work and then somebody will bring up something. And I go, oh, wow, that sounds like a cool way. I'm going to try that. And it might make my job easier back here at ASU. So all that, when you can put that many groundskeepers together for that period of time, um, that are all working on the same page in the same direction. It's, it's, uh, it's a great thing because we're all, we're all learning and, uh, that that's wonderful.
0: Hey, you were just talking about how you, you went over to London recently. Um, you're a big football fan, right? Soccer. I'm, I'm soccer. Right? I, yeah.
1: <laughs> I become, I become one. I, I didn't grow up one, but, uh, I had a miraculous conversion into being a soccer fan, uh, Back in the day. So I've gone, I've done a complete 180. So I'm a big fan now.
0: Yeah. um, And we had Carl on. I think, you know, Carl from, again, he said he does a lot with the NFL and whatnot uh, at Wembley and everything. Um, What has it been like for you to, again, sort of have that out of country experience? I should say, is probably the best way to say it. Um, And seeing, again, what is just, completely off the wall different way of doing things than we do here especially again we're talking about Bermuda grass versus 100 ryegrass there's no way that it can be managed the same way you know yeah. um, what has that experience been like for you and uh again sort of again just continuing on with such great experiences all across the world
1: well uh, the fields are maintained a lot differently, you know, uh, and, and I'm good friends with Carl and, uh, he was in a tough spot there when they were playing like four NFL games at Wembley. And then he had like a, a, a huge soccer match the next day and the NFL logo was still out there and there's just nothing he could do. But, you know, the people over there are pretty, uh, pretty particular about their soccer pitches and don't want that NFL stuff out there. So, Good uh,
0: Americans, but, you know? <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. They, but they do, you know, those ryegrass fields that have the artificial fibers stitched into them. It's just, uh, again, uh, that works beautiful for soccer over there. And as much as the football fields have improved here, gosh, between between grow lights and the fibers in the ground and the uh, coral machines and the renovations they do after each season over there, uh, I think that, change for the better is even more prominent over in Europe for all the soccer pitches you'd be hard-pressed to find you have to go into a pretty low-level league to find a a pitch over there that that isn't top quality so um, but I enjoy because I'm a soccer fan I enjoy that experience um, uh, there are things that I can learn even though it's a completely different way of doing things but again it's the relationships that uh, stick out to me it's uh, the, the crew at Tottenham that I've gotten to know when the games were there, that the whole crew at Wembley, uh, you know, I've met Paul, I've gone to a game at, at, at Real Madrid. Uh, we chatted before the game and he got me tickets there and, uh, you know, just meeting all these people and, and, and becoming friends with them and, and, and just all these relationships are just, uh, are just wonderful. I, I enjoy, I enjoy those, uh, European trips and, uh, now, whenever we go over there on a vacation outside of work, uh, I'm and my wife to one soccer game every time we go over there. And she's not necessarily a fan, but she's so sweet. She goes to the games with me. And uh, um, I just, I just love it. Uh, I, I, I just love it. And that's one thing that I'm going to do in my retirement is uh, we do love to travel and, and we do some traveling. We've done some traveling now, but uh, my work hours kind of prevent me from doing as much as I like. So, um, I'm going to be seeing a lot of soccer matches coming up here shortly, hopefully.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, some of the stuff over there that they're coming up with is insane. Uh, I mean, with Tottenham and the whole conversion of their field with the uh, artificial underneath it. And then is it Ray that's doing the the trays that are going down on the ground? Yeah. Yeah, was right. Like I who yeah. came up with that, you know, <laughs> like, I, you know,
1: um, as, as much as I would love to say that uh, that in America here, we're kind of leading the, the charge and improvements in groundskeeping. It's really it's really over there, like uh, like the crews over there are just so, so professional and so uh, uh, science related, and you know, they're, they're just uh you know, they're just really top-notch, uh, people over there and they are making advancements in, in groundskeeping. Uh, and I think, uh, I think that we could take a lesson from them here. And, uh, in terms of, uh, uh, work ethic and, and, and they now I'm, I'm at the bigger clubs, you know, Tottenham, a huge stadium, new stadium, and, and maybe it can differ at a lower level club, but, uh, you know, they have the manpower and they have the equipment and they have the, uh, The knowledge to to pull things off. And I'm just so impressed, so impressed with the way they do things over
0: there. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. Um, Now we end the podcast on these last two questions with everybody. We're always curious to see what the answers are for everyone and just different stories and different ways of doing things in the industry. Um, Again, this illustrious career and congratulations again on retirement. It's so deserving. Um, if there was one thing that you could tell yourself when you first started in your internship at ASU, um, that you know now, what would that one thing be, and why? Well, um,
1: I was just, I was just an inexperienced kid at the time, and uh, I really, I don't know if this is the answer you're looking for, but. Um, I, I really, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't envision this day coming, you know, uh, um, not, you know, I knew I was going to be a groundskeeper my whole life and i I'm, I'm not talking about the length of my career, but just the, uh, attention. Um, I was just, I was just trying to make a living. You know, I was just trying to, uh, uh, bring home a paycheck and do a job that I loved. So, um, some success that I had and the attention that went along with it was just something that I wasn't necessarily looking for at the time or looking for now even. Mm -hmm. Um, but I just had no idea. Like, like if you had told me back then that, uh, that this day was going to come, you know, I would have just like said, you know, no, I don't, you know, I don't believe that. So, uh, it's just been very, I feel very fortunate. I'm kind of looking at that from the opposite end. I'm kind of like looking at an old, at a young person saying, what would you envision now instead of thinking back the other way? But I, I you know, that's just the way I feel. I was just, I, I didn't get into groundskeeping to become well-known or or that I just wanted to do a job that I loved. And then the rest just happened, I guess.
2: last question. It's kind of a similar one. What would you, would you give any advice to students hoping to, be in the industry, have a successful career, what would you tell them?
1: Well, uh, learn, uh, learn as much as you can, you know, uh, be book smart, be more book smart than I was when I started. I just didn't have the knowledge. So, so learn, but don't rely on that. There's, uh, there's some very smart people, uh, that I don't know if they could be successful groundskeepers because, I think you need to combine that, that, uh, education along with some practical experience and some hands-on experience, stay late at night and throw uh pre-germinated seed and divots, uh, ask the guy that's sharpening the mower, you know, instead of saying, well, I don't have to worry about that. He'll do that. Ask him how to do it. You know, like, can you teach me so that I can do it and you can do something else, um, you know just just things like that learn learn on the job skills and combine those with your educational skills and um, I, I think you're gonna be off to a fabulous start. Don't just think I know everything I was taught everything, and that's that's it. Combine that with some on the job skills and 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 you'll be you'll be just fine
0: well. From everyone here, and I'm sure a lot of people in this industry, I want to say thank you for everything that you've done. I know you weren't in for fame or anything like that, um, but you're such an inspiration for everything that you've done. Your painting schemes, your overall work ethic, and just the person that you are, you know, learning from other people who you are as a person and how you ran things over at Arizona State, it's just It's such an inspiration to all the kids in my program and to again, young groundskeepers like me. Um, I truly, from the bottom of my heart cannot thank you enough. And again, thanks for coming on today. We really appreciate you taking
1: it. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, You you caught me shortly after this big emotional weekend. So I'm still, uh, I'm still a little teary eyed from, uh, from that. that,
0: You deserve it. You know? Thank you.